turning up to record and it is recording so here we go hello and welcome to connected a podcast about people ideas marketing technology and everything that's good i'm asd a digital man here at mediacom hello i'm sue uniman i'm chief transformation officer at mediacom and joining us today is simon lawson how are you doing simon hi Simon is the MD of Pneumatic, a company that designs and creates the most reliable, sustainable cleaning systems based right here in the UK. It's a bit, bit, bit of an ad there in the uh, intro. <laughs> I'm sure other cleaning systems are available. I don't know, but if we're getting sponsored. Um, so, Simon, big question. How was last year? Um, it's it's same as everybody else. I think it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with the name of the company, we make Henry, the um, the little vacuum cleaners, we make uh, an astonishing number of them. We make about a million of those a year. Um, and Love a Henry, I, can I just say? I've got, uh, I've got more than one Henry in my life. No, they're, 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 they're fantastic. I think that, you know, I, I, it brought home to me what a, what a change this year has been. As I was talking to a, a cleaning contractor, a guy who does the cleaning at a, at a local school uh, a few weeks ago. And I asked him how things were going. And he said, it's a big responsibility. You know, we keep people safe. You know, and I think this is a real change in how people are, are thinking about things. And it's, it's, you know, it's when you think about the last year, it's been the cleaners, it's been the delivery guys, it's been the people stacking shelves in the supermarkets, it's been the, the checkout people who kept the, com- the country going. And I think that we're starting to see a cycle through that. Now, our business has been through massive change. I mean, we employ about a thousand people um, on site and charge because we manufacture everything here in the UK. And, you know, you can't send everybody home with a laptop when you're manufacturing in, and expect them to kind of Zoom calls because we're making stuff. So, I mean, a proportion of the, the team will work from home, maybe about 20 or 25%. But the, the other people, you know, uh, are in the manufacturing facility, they're on the campus. And what you have to do is you have to change everything to make it safe for those people to be there. You know, you have to make it do all the jobs that we did before, but, you know, two meters apart from each other, you need to, and that means changing everything from um, how they arrive to how they you know work to how they go to rest breaks to, to everything and you know and then you're dealing with how to manage infections when they do crop up and how to to deal with all of that so that's been challenging and then you get to the kind of the outside world and the outside world is you know our business is split it's about 50 percent um, doing really kind of big machines that clean airports and hotels and shopping centers and about 50% is kind of consumer stuff. Now if the hotels and the airports and the shopping centers are all closed then no one's buying any of our kind of that side of the business and if everybody's stuck at home then our, the consumer side of the business has has really grown. So half our businesses decline massively and half our business has grown massively and so you have to then reorientate your business around that which is kind of challenging as well so it's it's been a a a roller coaster i can imagine so you took over as md in september 2017 so you've had a good three years now Mm -hmm. how were the first two years compared to the last year 
Um, well, I think the first two years we were kind of focused on understanding what the core strengths of the business were and, and what our, our core value proposition was and how we can communicate that to our customers. You know, and then we, it was about building a team and, and making sure that we've got an effective team and we're putting the best people that we have as close as possible to the action. And that's, you know, the, the, the core of, of what we've been about. And getting this kind of clear commitment to a value proposition that we had. And for us, that means kind of, you know, really stepping up to sustainability and, and what that means for our industry. Um, and that's been that that's been really challenging. This, I guess the first two years were more about long term strategy. And I think the the last year, like everybody, has been much more reactive. So, did did the work? Sorry, sorry. Did the work of the core value, the work, the core value work that you did in the two years, did, did that evolve or change in th- this last year, or was that resolute and strong enough to take you? I think I think it, it stood us in good stead. I mean, you know, when you start talking about our core values, is why do people, you know, want to buy our products? Why do they want to engage with us? And the reason, by and large, people want to engage with us is we make the most reliable products in the industry. And when you're dealing in the type of things that we are, which tend to be kind of labor intensive, you want machines that work. And and so the, the core that we bring is this reliability, this value that, that people have. And, you know, ultimately, you know, in normal times, it keeps your house clean. In times like this, it's very different. It, it is about keeping people safe. And, you know, when you start thinking about the future, you start thinking about, how things are going to return to normal and and everything changes because you know let's take a a standard business trip you know in order for you to do a standard business trip again you're going to get into a taxi the taxi is going to take you to the airport you're going to go through an airport you're going to go through a plane you're going to get another taxi it's going to take you to a hotel and then maybe in the evening you're going to go to a restaurant and the following morning you'll go into the office in order for you to get back to where we were, you've got to feel safe in all of those environments, which means that somehow we've got to figure out a way to make all of those environments clean, safe, protected. And there will be you know, a process, a person, a machine, a, a methodology for doing all of that. And that's kind of, that's what we're figuring out now. And, you know, some of it will be, you know, done by people. Some of it will be done by, you know, autonomous robots. Some of it will be, you know, done by systems. And and it's all to be figured out. And that's kind of, you know, that's the kind of the challenges we're facing into now. That's a proper, proper transformation. Yes. Yes. For the, for the it, it, yeah. But it, it is it is looking at how the world is going to change. And I I don't believe this is going to be the last virus that we face. You know, it's not the first. It's the first one that caught hold, but it won't be the last. And I think that we're going to be dealing with how we manage things like this for years and years to come. And, you know, what industry has to do is industry has to react to that and manage our way around it and figure out how we we provide solutions to people so that they can trust the hotel that they're staying in so they can trust the office they're visiting so that you know a a restaurant can turn over the tables in in their facility and people will feel safe 
you know, it's all of these things huge new challenges need to actually. be need to be addressed, and you need to do it in such a way that doesn't impact the environment, doesn't detract from, you know, you don't want to sit down at a, a table smelling of bleach in a in a restaurant, and you don't want to use things that are going to kill all the bacteria because and you also don't 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 expect that it's going to cost 50 percent more to go to a restaurant absolutely so so all of these things kind of need to need to be figured out and need to change and at the same time everybody's at home so you know consumer goods purchasing has exploded over the last six mm-hmm. months because if people aren't going on holidays and they're not you know going out to restaurants and pubs they're all at home Mm. so you know the spending on diy projects has gone through the roof people are putting in driveways they're buying vacuum cleaners their food prep has gone through the roof irons unfortunately if you're in the ironing market that's taken a nosedive i'm going to work so no one's doing any ironing anymore so you know you can't must have had a hit i should think yeah so so there's certain odd industries that have really taken a hit but you know um other ones, I think people are eating more healthily, and I think that's really taken off. And so there are pockets of industries that are doing really well. But it, it's it's just a very turbulent time. And when you are trying to to manage through something like this, it's I mean the the it's been through that we've seen that that it goes through different phases and the phase that we're in at the moment is is really about supply chains because because of all of the the consumer demand the consumer demand has put pressure on all of the manufacturing facilities in places like china and places like europe which in turn has put pressure on all the logistics so you're seeing the ports in the uk getting clogged and that in turn has meant that people's supply chains are threatened so while we manufacture in the uk we import the raw materials from 20 different countries and what happens is if those countries are themselves infected and their suppliers can't necessarily supply them then it delays the raw materials coming into us so we double down and decide that well we need to have more raw materials in stock which increases the amount of stuff that's being built increases the amount on the water and that clogs up the ports even more and then you kind of build that across all industries in all parts of the world and then brexit and then on top of that you've got brexit and what that means is is you're seeing all the commodities suddenly sharply increasing so you look at the price of raw materials right now and you've got Last six months, aluminium's up 50%, steel's up 50%. Um, so do you think that that will mean a, a return to more manufacturing in the UK? Because actually my dad was in aluminium manufacturing and his business was a small business in that sector, got driven out and into closure during the, during the 70s I, I, when, I when those small businesses... Well, I, I absolutely do think there will be more manufacturing in the UK because I think that more people are interested in in one of the challenges we've had in this pandemic has has been suddenly you weren't able to get stuff because people weren't able to import it or export it. And I think there is um, a sense that people want localised manufacturing. I and mean, when we started making um, 
PPE for the NHS. So we've been making visors through through the lockdown. We designed one back in March and we started making visors for the NHS. And it looks like we'll continue doing that because people want manufacturing in the UK. They don't want to have to rely on on importing it from, from overseas when you have a problem. So I think there will be localised manufacturing and I think there will be much more smaller businesses based in the communities. Um, and I think there is is a move towards that. I don't think it's going to be the the international the the cost of commodities that's going to drive that though. I think it's going to 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 evolve out of what people want to purchase and who they want to purchase it from more than that. I think the commodities, unfortunately, I think everyone stockpiling raw materials in the same way that they stockpile toilet rolls you know a year ago and and i think that i think that there will be a lull that will come later which will reduce all the prices of these things and i think it's just turbulence within the economy um but as with everything else as the and what you'll see is as the i think is as we come out of um this as the, the vaccinations take hold and the infection rates reduce, then hopefully what we'll see is we will see people returning to going on holidays and going out to restaurants and doing those sorts of things. But then that will probably mean a decrease in spending across consumer goods and everything will kind of slowly balance out and get back to some sense of normality. It's very, it's very interesting. Um, it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's, you know, I think the difficulty is, is it's completely uncharted territory and nobody's been in the places we're in at the moment. Um, Word unprecedented got used a lot. You know, there was that expression. Is. There is that a Chinese, Chinese curse, which is may you live in interesting times. We, we, are, <laughs> we are living in interesting times. What would you dif- do differently, Simon, if you could if you could uh, have your time again? Um, if anything. I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to answer that question on the basis of of both my entire career and um, the last four years. Is I would focus on sustainability sooner. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think yeah. that I should have been paying more attention to it 20 years ago, and and I think that you know that's the that's where where we'll be focused in the future and 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 i think that's that's what we all need to look at that's great so i mean you've touched on it a bit but what does the future hold for pneumatic um i i i i think that we have a a shifting um a shifting society i think the way we do things is changing on what we find acceptable and where our trust is is changing and what we need to figure out is how we make people trust the environments they're in again and that's the big part of what we do sustainability is 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 a huge part of where we need to be in our future um we're already very sustainable because we make products that last you know we design a a henry for example it's designed to last 25 years and that for me is the the core of sustainability sustainability if you're going to make used resources then you want to make sure you're using them for the long term not for the short term and and every product we've ever made we still hold spare parts for it's still repairable and we've been running for 50 years um 
and and most of the products we've ever made are still in operation so we're we're incredibly proud of that but you know what we're trying to focus on is how do we make our products more sustainable how do we reduce the electricity that you need to run a vacuum cleaner how do we make our our uh, our scrubber dryers the machines that kind of scrub the floors of a supermarket or a or an airport how do we make them use less water how do we make everything that we do recyclable and we have a a 10-year target which uh, is to make ourselves climate neutral um i don't know whether that's achievable or not but it feels like it's something worth trying um and and that's kind of probably where our our, our main focus is is in the twin things of how do we adjust the new society and and how do we make ourselves the most sustainable business of our type can I, can I just ask a, a, a vacuum cleaner related question before we sure. get to uh, what's next for you, which is why in Britain have we been so reluctant to um, adopt something like, is it called a Roomba, the things that automatically? Yeah, um, I, 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 I would like one of those. Why, why, why is that not I a think, general? I, th- I think, I think in, in certain places they do really well. Um, yeah. Candidly, they work on they work best on hard floors and where you have large open plan living areas. Oh, so they're just not really. So if you have largely carpeted areas um, and you have kind of small boxy rooms, they're kind of quite difficult to to clean that space effectively. So if you are in continental Europe where they have lots of hard floors and they have large open plan spaces, then it, they work really well. You know, in America where they have tend to be a bit more open plan then it, it works really well but it's because the reason I came across them is because um I saw those videos that people adapted where they should, where they had them have them fight each other and yes. they, you know, play football yeah. together well, and that's 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 and, and to be honest I developed a, a a robot vacuum cleaner when I was running a, a vacuum cleaner business in the states and yeah, you would go down to the labs there, and that's all that they guys would be doing. <laughs> over right here, doing. Thanks, so Simon, Simon, what's next for you? What about you personally? Um, I kind of think I've got quite a lot of runway doing what I'm doing at the moment. I think when I I, I finally finish up um, in this, I was reading a book recently called um, Doing Good Better by William McCaskill which is about effective altruism. And it, it really talks about, you know, if you're going to to um, pay back, if you're going to donate your time or your resources to, to doing good, then what's the most effective way of doing that? How do you get the best bang for your buck? And it's a, it is, it's a truly inspiring um, book. And it, I think that that's kind of where I would, would see that the next phase of my career is, is in a charitable endeavor where I would endeavor to make sure that um, my resources pay back in, in mm-hmm. the most effective way possible. But I don't know what that is yet. So that's kind of what I've got in mind. And I'm, you know, my wife and my children would say, I won't be any fun if I'm not busy. So I've got to think of something. <laughs> Simon, now we're on to the questions that we ask all of our guests just so they can compare and contrast. So the first question is, what is your favourite line from a poem, a song or a book? Yeah, I, I, I came up with two, one of which you won't allow, so I won't um, 
Um, we are very strict. Yeah. I, 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 I understand that. Um, the, um, the, the line that I think you will accept is uh, a quote from Mark Twain. Um, I never let my schooling interfere with my education. Um, and I'm kind of minded towards this because being you know, at home working with homeschooling um, and, and I've got three 10 year old daughters um, who are um, because they're all going through exactly the same thing at the same time. You tend to be very, very focused on education. And, and when I, I, I think about it and in my career, the, the leaders in all the places I've been have never been the smartest people in the room. They've never been, those people have never been the ones kind of directing or, or managing or, or leading. The people who, who have been the leaders have been the ones who can put words to a vision, the ones who can inspire, the ones who can motivate, the ones who can bring teams together, the ones who can communicate, the ones who can translate the complex into the simple. It's those guys. And... The skills that you you need to develop to, to have those skills are the ones that you pick up in the playground, in the sports teams, in the drama club, in the, they're the ones that you they're the ones that you learn at school while they're trying to teach you something else. And and I kind of and this kind of quote encapsulates that for me. And so I'm really keen for my children to have a really kind of broad outlook in education and not just be too focused on the academics. The academics are important. You know, you have to kind of stay on a track. Well, they might want to be brain us. surgeons. I mean, it's possible they might want to be brain surgeons. I really so. hope not. I really hope not. I have but to say, I, I, I think, have you know, such empathy with people who are doing the homeschooling thing. I think if I if I'd been in that situation, I just would have taken comfort in how educational The Simpsons is. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's it, it's an absolute it's an absolute joy to see them discovering some of this yeah. stuff. And I, it, it really is. But but I, I it's the breadth I think that I want. You know, and it's the their ability to to make friends and network and and communicate with people I think that that you want to make sure that they're, they're doing all of those things as well as they the kind of the narrow academics what, what was the line that you thought you we wouldn't allow it was a, it was a line from Jaws and it's where <laughs> Roy Scheider's on the deck of the boat and he says you're going to need a bigger boat <laughs> it's the point where he he sees the shark for the first time and he turns around and says you're going to need a bigger boat and I thought it was in the book, so I checked. Oh, is it, it not? Wasn't. No, it's, 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 it's as lived in the film. Yeah. Mm. So, but, yeah, that's that's. But I kind of like that because it's appraising a problem, it's figuring out yeah. something, it's yeah. not backing away from it, but it's being kind of realistic about the situation you're in. Okay. If you were a genie, what five commonly available objects would I have to put in a magic circle to summon you? Um. I've got a pack of cards. Pack of cards, yeah. What, what's, what's your what's your uh, what's your game of choice? Is it poker? It's poker. Pack yeah. okay. of cards. So, um, a pack of licorice. Okay. Um, a dog lead. I love uh, I love our dog and I the, the dogs we've had before and I think that's important to me. 
Unclassing a notebook and pen is one thing. Okay. And a good book. Just any good book of our choice. A, a good book, yes. A fiction or non-fiction? Fiction. Okay. Thank you. Uh, what is your single your single best skill, Simon? I'm not bad at poker. <laughs> what? That's why I keep the pack of cards with me. Hold them or just any poker? Yes, or? hold them. Hold them. What would you practice more if you had the time and the space? I've got two answers to this as well. Um, and the two answers I've got are table tennis and golf. I play both of those with my brother. I'm better at one and he's better at the other. And I kind of, if I focus practicing on one, I'm going to lose at the other. So I need to practice both. And and you and your brother are a little bit competitive, I think. Just a little bit. Um, well, well what, uh, the last question that you can prepare for, Simon, is what fictional world would you live in and why? Yeah, I, I thought about this several times. Uh, and Andrew, you're probably a, a little bit young for this. But when I was when I was much younger, I used to love a, a character called Rumpole of the Bailey, who was um, <laughs> Oh, brilliant answer <laughs> was was um and i i kind of had this idealistic vision about kind of roaming from town to town fighting injustice and i you know the, there's something kind of quite special about that but in a kind of slightly underdog disheveled way which is probably more suitable to me that's lovely um so that would that would it would that would be the fictional world I'm a, I'm a frustrated lawyer and um, th these are the questions you can't prepare for. They are okay. from the uh, School of Life. And I've just randomly picked three out. If you would go kind of my right, middle or my left. Middle. What would be the first thing you would do if you won the lottery, Simon? That's a good question. Mm. I'm, I'm I assuming it's significant. I'm assuming not £12.50. I, I think I would work out who needs it more than I do, to be honest, because I'm not sure that there's anything that I would want to buy that I don't already have. That's very nice. <laughs> Simon, this has been a fantastic, so interesting chat. I've really appreciated your time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Good to see you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you later.